Lawrence, my husband, do not volunteer to come and put the Christmas decorations up this week. He doesn't like putting Christmas decorations up. Right, I'm really sorry. All this music, I'm going to have to move. There we are. Fabulous. Thank you very much. Thank you, ma'am. Okay. I am going to just pray before I start. Lord, we thank you that we are here together, the body of Christ, to listen and hear what you are saying to us right now in this season. Lord, I pray that the words that you have given me, that I will express them with your authority and your anointing this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I get the privilege of working Every Monday I get up, and I love going to work. I work for a Christian organization called Care for the Family. And Care for the Family operate in Newport. Um, and they have been, I can't say that without giving them a bit of a plug, because they are an exceptional charity. They've been operating for the last 30 years. And we operate to strengthen family life in the UK and the Isle of Man and beyond. Um, and you know what? There's... These are some statistics that four in 10 marriages these days end in divorce, that by the time a child is 14, they are more likely to have a smartphone than a father at home. And family breakdown costs us 47 billion pounds a year. That's more than our entire defense budget. And there's never been a time where the church is more desperately needed to help strengthen family life. And we operate in three pillars, which is marriage, bereavement, and parenting. But there is something for everyone. And there's a whole host of resources that we have on offer. Some of our guys have been to the men's night a couple of weeks ago, which was a brilliant event to equip men. Some guys have done the bereavement awareness training recently. And some of our guys have been on the toddler group training this year as well. So there's loads of things out there. And I'm just giving a bit of plug. This has nothing to do with what I'm necessarily speaking about. Um, but in the new year, we'd really love to run some more of those resources. So bear that in mind as I talk about getting involved this afternoon, because if that is something that you'd like to do, please come and speak to me as we like launch some of that next year as well. But the department that I work in is the Faith and the Family Department. A lot of our resources are for all faiths and none, but I specifically get to work with Christian mums and dads, helping them in their most important ministry of discipling their children. And it's amazing. And we've carried out extensive research into the area. And we've discovered that there are four main elements that help build faith in children at home. But the more I've spoken on these things in seminars throughout the UK, the more I have looked at illustrations of how that is possible, uh, I've realized more and more that it's not just applicable to how we build faith in kids at home. It's how we can build faith with everybody looking for faith. And that's why I just want to bring some of it this afternoon to us as a body. Because I know that they're applicable to all of us. In Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, Jesus gives us this command. Us, as his body of Christ, he gives this command for us to go into this world and make disciples of all nations. And last week, Karen and Andrew brought the message. For those of you who are here, if you weren't, catch it on the podcast. But they brought the message, I am Andrew. 
talking about how Andrew, as a disciple, just went out there and he got others to follow Jesus. And there's going to be an exciting event next year, seven months' time, June the 16th. And it's going to be 14th, I apologize. It's going to be our opportunity to bring those that we love to Jesus. And I'm totally excited by that. I don't know about you, church, but I am totally excited. I'm totally excited that over two years ago, God gave PA a vision to expand our old building to double its seating capacity. He brought that to the leadership and we went, okay, that's fine. I'm excited that God allowed our church to burn down so that we can build a purpose, fit for purpose building that will house what God is going to want to do. I'm excited that right now he is bringing unity in this city. I am excited right now that in seven months' time this event is coming to Newport. I am excited by what God is doing. But what about now? Because I don't want all those things to happen in the future. I don't want to waste my life. What is happening now? What is God doing to prepare us right now for that? And I have spent several months wrestling with what God is doing right now. And I've been reading some passages that I just feel I wanted to bring to you this afternoon. I've been looking at new wine. And you read about new wine in the Gospels. You read about Jesus talking about new wine. And he talks about new wine just after the Pharisees have criticized him for how he is changing things and how he is doing something new. How he's forgiving sins. Healing on the Sabbath. Not fasting. Associating with people they wouldn't expect him to associate with. They had trouble seeing Jesus for who he was because they were still caught up and blinded by an old way of doing something. I'm going to read from the Gospel of Luke. You can read it in all of the Gospels, but Gospel of Luke in chapter 5, verse 37. Jesus says this. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine is going to burst the skins, the wine's going to run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No. New wine, a new move that God is going to do, must be poured into new wineskins. And he used that illustration because he was demonstrating that something old can't be forced into something new, can't stay the same. Wineskins back then were made out of a whole goat. It was tightly tied at the neck. I know I wouldn't have fancied drinking wine out of that. Neck, <laughs> legs, and tail. And then the fresh wine was poured in. And it was left for two to four months to ferment in the insides of the goat skin. And the carbon dioxide, I've learned lots about wine skin this week, the carbon dioxide generated from that fermentation process, it stretched the skin to its absolute limit. And when the fermentation process stopped and the alcohol was at the required level, the collagen protein that had been given out during that fermentation process had been stretched out by the alcohol. So the, the skin, its elasticity had all been stretched out. So the skin could no longer have an ability to expand or contract. It was just stay, you know, one solid piece. And those listening to Jesus understood that, that if you tried to put new wine then into that old wine skin, all you were going to get is that when that gas was released in the next fermentation process, that wine skin was going to split. The wine skin was going to be ruined, and so was the wine. The problem was God wanted to do something new, but the Pharisees were so caught up in their old way of doing things. In fact, Jesus says this to them. 
at verse 39. No one, after drinking old wine, wants new, because the old is better. And I've really been thinking about that. We, I like new things. But actually, old can be comfortable, can't it? Old can be familiar. And sometimes it takes courage to try something new, to step out of our comfort zone. But you know what? Old's not, old, not bad. At one point, old wine was new wine. So I'm not saying that it was a bad thing. It's not saying that where we've been has been bad or wrong, not at all. But there's room for new. There's room for something to happen that is new. There's more. Isaiah says this in chapter 43, verse 19. See, I'm doing a new thing. Can you see this? Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Do you know about you? I felt like the last 18 months have been a little bit of a wilderness. What's God doing? I loved actually, last week Bob came and he said, you know what, I think we've got a bit comfortable even in this new building now. But actually we don't want to get comfortable in this new building. And that's right, we don't want to get comfortable. Are we perceiving that God is doing something new? Do we want to be ready for that? Are we willing to step out of our comfort zones and to seek him for what next? Now, we've got the opportunity to rebuild a new physical building. That is amazing. But that's just a physical building. Peter, the one on whose church, you know, the Peter on whom God's church is built, that rock, he tells us that we are the living stones. We are the living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. We are his temple. And he goes on to say that if we're his temple, we go out there and we show the goodness of God because he's brought us out, he's brought us from darkness into light. We are his temple to take his presence to others. So the building's going to be great, but actually it's through us. We are that new vessel of his Holy Spirit. And it's going to start with our families. It's going to start with our community here before it ever reaches out of these doors. So in this period, while our new building is being built and prepared for what is to come, what is God doing? The new thing that he wants to do among us as a body of believers, as a community that will be a vessel together to hold that move of his new spirit. Are you ready? Are we ready? Are we ready to see lives transformed? Are we ready to play our part? Are we ready to go and make disciples? And that's not just about June the 14th. That's about now because it isn't about making disciples of those that will come to know Jesus. It's about making disciples of those of us that can be grown and expanded in our walk with Jesus. My prayer is, Lord, that you would allow me to know you more. Peter prays it. He says in 2 Peter, God, you've given us everything we need for living a godly life. And we have received all of this because we come to know you. I want to know, first and foremost, that quiet time away, being grown, being expanded, a new thing God wants to do in me. But then I want to know how I can carry that, his presence, to build you up as a body of believers and for others of you to build me up. How can we do that? How can we be these living stones together? 
Melissa Halser, she is one of the worship leaders at Bethel, California, not here. Um, she, I read an article she'd written last week which said, to build a strong, powerful community, we need to form healthy connections. And our leadership are looking at how we build healthy connections here, how we build them as we grow, and how we can then be that strong community of faith because we've got healthy connections with one another. And one of the ways that we've really been looking at that is our link groups, our small groups. We believe they are really going to be instrumental at building those strong connections that are going to build a powerful community. And I'm excited. We've done a bit of work on it, and we have discovered that 80 out of our 130 adults who attend this church or would connect with this church and say this is their home attend a link group, so 80 out of those 130 attend a link group, or if they don't attend a link group regularly or can't at all, they've been allocated into a link group, um, a small group where there are two link group leaders who will look after them and care for them. And as we expand and grow, and even within now, those are really instrumental at helping build real healthy connections. So if you are interested, you're not in a link group and you would love to be, or you're interested to find out more, please come and speak to the PA at the end. Okay, so I want to look at the four elements that build faith in kids at home and see how we can use those to build up one another in this body to become that vessel right now that God wants us to be. So there are four elements. They are home, be real, be intentional, and belong. And we're going to look at those four this afternoon. But you will notice from the illustration that prayer is right smack bang in the middle. It's central. It's not an added element. It is the thing that underpins those things. Ultimately, we can have all the elements we want. But if we've not got prayer, if we are not turning to God, it's not worth it. Paul says in Corinthians 1, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, and God made it grow. And we pledged last week to pray for family, for friends, that they would come to know him. And we can start planting those seeds now. We can pray that others will come along and plant seeds. But God is ultimately going to make those seeds of faith grow. And you might be thinking, that's seven months off, June the 14th. I don't know about you, but seven months ago seems like yesterday. I don't even know where this year has gone. And how can we start now? thinking about those we want to reach, but also thinking about what we're doing to build up this, this community so they come in to this community. And I love that in link groups, we are doing the prayer course. So we're all studying and looking at that. It's been really great. It has actually transformed how I pray. And do you know what? If you are not in a link group and you've not been part of that prayer course until now, come and see me at the end. I will give you the links to the prayer course. You can do the sessions and look at it at home in the comfort of your own home. The discussions are great, but if you haven't been part of that, I would recommend it. And then we are going to be praying and fasting in January. That is a big pull. You will see at the back of the church, there is a four, um, like, um, calendar of the whole of January. Can you pop your name down where you would like to be fasting and praying for what God is going to do? So that underpinning is happening already. Home, the first element. This is what we say. My project is called the Kitchen Table Project. And it says this. A warm, affirming family where people feel safe, loved, and accepted gives a secure foundation for faith to grow. Research has shown that where children come from a warm, loving, accepting environment, welcoming environment, they are more likely 
to follow their parents' faith. Now, there are no guarantees. I know children who've grown up in the most loving, warm, loving homes, and they right now are still struggling with their faith. So there's no guarantee. We all come to faith ourselves. Rob Parsons, founder of Care for Family, always says this, God has no grandchildren. You know, he, we all come through our own relationship with him, not through our mothers, not through our husbands, not through our wives, not through our families. We come to know him ourselves. But creating that place where people feel and children feel secure and loved and accepted so that they can come with their questions and their doubts, where they can wrestle some of those things through, that's a good foundation then for faith. They might not want it right now, but in the future, you know what, when they hit something and they remember all those conversations, they remember how their opinions were not shut down, but their opinions were, were listened to and welcomed and validated. That's a great place for that foundation of faith to start. And last week, the welcome team did an amazing plug. They stood up here, they did their five-minute slot of what the welcome team did, and it was amazing to hear from the different people on the welcome team and hear about the welcome team's vision and ethos for this church. But the team are great. But you are all, whether you realize it or not, part of the welcome team. Now, that's not because Juanita and Steve have snuck your name on the rota when you were away at all. There is a specifically designated team who greet at the door and will mingle at the end. But every single one of us here is responsible for creating this welcome environment here. Not just a friendly place, but a place of genuine friendship of real deep, healthy connections. And do you know what? I think we're a diverse bunch here. We're all unique, we're all different. But how amazing that God would choose us as part of his welcome strategy then for his spiritual family and kingdom here. And if you are new and visiting us today, I hope that you have had the most amazing welcome. I hope you've been greeted. The welcome team will come and speak to you at the end. We hope you have been, you feel really at home. And, but if you're here for the first time or you've been here a few times and you don't feel like you've had that amazing welcome, please come and speak to us because we're not perfect. We are a work in progress and we want you to come and be brave and let us know. Do you know what? Maybe this is something that you could do to help um, and improve. We are here to hear those things. And we don't always get it right. But you want to know when we don't. But some of the ministries that we currently have, so again, our link groups, I am plugging our link groups this afternoon. I am plugging our link groups because I believe in them. I have seen the transformation it's had in my life, but I've also seen the transformation there is had in some other people's lives. But also we've got B, that's our women's ministry, Epic, our men's ministry, Embers for our youth guys, that's another community, Rendezvous, our older chaps, Little Oaks, it's a great place for those with uh, young toddlers. It was amazing, I loved it. Friday, Lois, there were three dads from this church here where they little ones. It was amazing. I say Lois because Lois also runs Little Oaks with me. And it was great to see these dads all playing and chatting and having the most amazing time. And it's all great. We've got Father's Table. We've got the Sanctuary Project. There's loads of different ways that you can plug in outside of a Sunday to receive that welcome. But one thing we do do after the, tea, after the meeting is we have teas and coffees. Some of you will know that if you've been here before. Teas and coffees through this little red door into the back lounge and you can stay and you can chat and you can get to know people now. Because families are always honest with one another. It's not always easy in there. It's a bit of a swish. 
is a bit, bit of a squeeze and you might be put off by that and think, oh, I can't even venture in there because it's too cramped. Well, I've got quite a big living room, uh, kitchen and dining area. It's made, just been made bigger this year because we've had a bit of an extension to our house. But when the 15 members of my family, both sides of our family, Lawrence and I, all want to come over as they often do to have a meal, it's still a bit of a squish and a squeeze. Last night we had a little bit of a get together. We're like, kids, you need to go to the toilet before you sit at the table because once you're in, you ain't getting out. We're all squashed in there. We're all like huddled together. But do you know what? I love it. Because, yes, it is uncomfortable. Do you know what? It wasn't the easiest, most relaxed meal. But we get to make connections with one another. So I challenge you, if you don't stay behind normally to have teas and coffees at the end of the meeting because you worry if you go in there, you're never going to come back out, please, please stay. Do you know what? If it is too much to get in there, ask somebody to go and get you a tea and coffee. Ask one of our young people to go and get you a tea and coffee and then stay around and chat at the end. We want to get to know people better. But do you know what? At the end of a meeting, the hi, how, hi, how are you is not always the place to have those deep, meaningful conversations, which is why I'm saying to plug into some of the other ministries we have on offer is a great way to get to know those deeper relationships. Which leads me on very nicely to my next point, which is to be real. So this is one that we say, it's not about expertise, parents. You don't have to be perfect with all the answers, but living out your faith in a really genuine way at home can inspire your kids to want that for themselves. So replace the kids bit, and you know what? That's the same for all of us. As we live out a genuine faith, people can want that for themselves. Because genuine is attractive. Authentic is attractive. There was a stage where people did go through a phase where they liked fake. PA still likes his fake watch on the beach when he goes on holidays. But on the whole, people like the genuine, don't they? They want the real. They want the good quality. They want honesty. And Peter, in writing to Timothy, in the second letter he wrote to Timothy, says this to Timothy. This young man, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you. There was something that was attractive. There was something that was genuine. There was something that had been passed on through the generations because it was faith lived out in the good times and faith lived out in not good times. For those of you who have children or have had children, they see everything. They're watching and listening when we haven't even got a clue. They see how we live out the good times, They how we cling to God in the good times and the celebrations. They see what happens in the challenging times, whether you have the hissy fit, like I sometimes do, or whether you turn to God and wrestle with him. But our kids seeing how that lives out and works out is really a good place for their faith to start growing. And that's the same for all of us. We don't always get a chance to see each other's deep, real faith on a Sunday for a couple of hours or for a short conversation. We make those connections, but we don't really see the deep. And we had an amazing time on Thursday in our link group. We're currently on unanswered prayer as part of the prayer course. Oh my goodness, the honesty and the vulnerability. And you know what, honesty and vulnerability takes courage, but it only comes when we trust the people that we can be honest and vulnerable with. But God used stories from now and stories from years, years, years ago that really inspired and gave hope to each of us 
I think all of us were there said that that really was impactful. And Lawrence has been coming home for the last few Mondays where he has um, run Epic, our men's ministry. And he has been astounded, really, as he's come in, just with the vulnerability and honesty of conversations that have occurred there. Men, I don't know anything that's been said. That's not something that he would share the content with me. But I know that there have been honest, real conversations. And that's come at the time of building up relationships with one another. It's come with investing in one another. And if you don't go, men, I really encourage you to get along. And if it's difficult for you to get because of transport or whatever, come and speak to Lawrence. Let's see how we can make this work for the majority of us. And if you've got any suggestions of ways that it could even be done differently, please come and speak to him. Because it's honesty that helps us bring, build those strong con connections. And there, you can be accountable to one another in your doubts and in your struggles. We also talk about making our faith visible to our children. You know, some of us who've got children will have our devotional quiet time with God away from the kids when they've gone to bed or before they even get up in the morning, if you're an early person, not me. But it's any time the house is quiet. But actually, we encourage parents to do it in front of their children, to hear them praying out loud, to see them reading the Bible, because that's how they can then develop their own faith. Talk about what God is saying as you're reading. Talk about what God is saying as you're praying. And actually, that's relevant for not just kids. As we do that in our families and with our friends, as they see us, see us modeling what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus, that can really help them. And again, that's something that's through some of these smaller ministries is the really good opportunity to talk about some of those things. And we get it wrong sometimes. We get it wrong. But apologizing, because we haven't got to get it right, we're not perfect. But apologizing really models <laughs> the basis of the gospel, the forgiveness of the gospel. And as we build friendships and relationships with people, the verse that says, iron sharpens iron. I've been thinking about that, this tension in sharpening, isn't it? That of pushing against one another. And you know what? Sometimes we will have those tensions in our close relationships. But as we come and we be honest with one another, and as we bring that before God, there's reconciliation and there's growth and there's depth in those relationships. Do you know what? People will frustrate us. But it's building those healthy connections of when we come and be honest with, it, with each other. When we say, let's work this out. Let's, your friendship, your relationship with me is worth so much. Let's wrestle this out and go deeper with one another and go deeper with God. Let's build a strong community. Back last year, a really good friend pulled me up on some of my character. Um, it, they weren't brilliant at the time, maybe. They weren't. And maybe the way she said it was not the best way, and it, it hurt. And she realized that she said it not the best way, and there was lots of tears, and there was apologizing, but there was truth in what she said. And we battled that out. We wrestled that out. We allowed our friendship to go to a deeper level. I allowed that to stretch me. It wasn't necessarily comfortable, not at all. And I've given certain people permission to speak into my life and to challenge me in my walk with Jesus, to challenge me on the way that I live out my life. Do you? Do you have people that you, in this fellowship, who you would allow to speak into you, to speak truth, to challenge you, 
Because when you know their motive is to help you grow into that new wineskin God wants you to be, do you know what? That's a real privilege, isn't it? It might be tricky, but it's a real privilege to have those relationships. And I want a deeper relationship with God. I don't know about you. And we will get that in the quiet place sometimes. We will get it when we shut the door and we go away and we're with our Father on our own. But we will get it because he didn't build us as an island. He built us as a community. And we will get some of that in the connections when we give other people permission to challenge us when we don't always get it right. And then we can be intentional. That's our third point. Finding simple ways to involve, involve God naturally in everyday life encourages others to know and love God. We split that up when I talk to parents into two elements. Spontaneously capturing and intentionally creating. So, spontaneously capturing. That's those moments where you grab that opportunity that arises out of a conversation that you've not foreseen. Where you can talk to your friends and your family, maybe who don't know Jesus, about faith. And you know, sometimes that is a bit scary, like, shall I say this now or not? But it's being bold, it's having that courage, and it's just going for it. And there are also times, even like we've said with other believers, where there's that moment you're like, shall I challenge? Shall I encourage? And the moment passes. Actually, it's grabbing hold of those opportunities. I often leave here on a Sunday, or I'm often in a meeting, and I think, do you know what, at the end of the service, I'm going to go and encourage somebody with something they might have brought or um, something they've played. I am known as an encourager, and, and I think, yeah, I want to do that. But actually, at the end of service, it's all crazy, and I'm picking up children, and I'm doing this, that, and the other, and I leave here, and I think, oh, I didn't encourage. And actually, when you're part of smaller groups, smaller ministry time, like link groups and like the different ministries that operate, you see those people often, you think, ah, I meant to say on Sunday, but da-da-da-da-da. And you get the opportunity to encourage. So it, it's great that when you're around people much more often. And then there's the intentionally creating. It's purposefully making time to meet with others where you can share your faith, whether that's a friend or family member who doesn't know Jesus or whether that is somebody that does. But it's intentionally creating. I did a bit of an experiment this week. For those of you who are on Facebook, you may have seen. I decided that I was only going to use my mobile phone to do the old-fashioned telephone calls. No text messages, no WhatsApp. You missed it on Facebook. No, no, no WhatsApp, no Messenger. Ah, that's why you were constantly messaging me this week. Pastor Andrew's going, who was that? Um, emails, no emails, no emails. Awesome answer. No emails, it was just telephone. Felt challenged to do it last weekend. I wanted to see how it would go. Monday and Tuesday was great. A lot of people got on board. I had a couple of sneaky messages, maybe from people that didn't realize I was doing it. Didn't answer all of them. I was trying to not be... I felt overwhelmed by how many messages I had had on Sunday before I came to church about things that I had not been thinking about when I got up in the morning. But yet I'd had no conversation with anyone. So I was like, I'm going to try this and see if this works. And do you know what? I didn't feel so bombarded on Monday and Tuesday. What I did do was have quite a few very short but very nice conversations with people. It was amazing. Me and Lois had a little conversation about something that would have been maybe lost in translation in a text message. Um, who else? There was quite a few people who rang me. And it was lovely to have those real conversations. Do you know what? By the end of the week, lots of text messages have been sent back and forth because convenience sometimes 
allows a text, you know, is a text message is better. But what it did make me realize that I would prefer to have be intentional in that and make sure that I am forming and having good verbal conversations way more than I would conveniently send a text message. And I think the older generation, we can learn lots from you. Because my mother-in-law often talks to me and she says, I've spoken to blah, blah, blah. And I say, oh, by text? No, I had a conversation with them. I rang them up and I spoke to them. Whereas some of our young people can say to me, and me included in this, oh, I spoke to blah, blah, blah in the week. And you're like, oh, great, what did they say? Like, what, how were they when you spoke? Oh, only by text. But actually, that is not forming necessarily real, healthy, deep conversations. Barna Global have carried out research and they have interviewed, I can't even remember, thousands of young people. Young people these days will say that they have connections, so many connections, internationally. But if they faced a difficult challenge in time in their life, they wouldn't have one single person that they feel they could go and have a conversation with verbally. And our society is going that way. But we can be different. We can form those conversations. So I challenge you, try it this week. Give somebody a telephone call over a text message. Be intentional in arranging to meet somebody for coffee or to pray with them. Intentionally come to some of the ministries that this church puts on. And purposely ask about each other's faith. Spare each other on. Challenge each other. Ask what you're reading at the moment, what God is saying to you now. For years, I had friends, in the, and I wouldn't even talk to them about spiritual things, about what God was doing in me personally. But the Kitchen Table Project, that is one of the things that we aim to do, is get parents talking to other parents about spirit. How are you bringing faith into your home? So I challenge us to do the same thing. Who is our person, our Barnabas, our Paul and our Barnabas, that would come alongside one another, and we would, sh as iron, sharpen iron, have that conversation with one another? Which then I come to my last and final point, my fourth point, to belong. Involving others at church and building relationships across generations helps people to feel they belong in God's family. Ultimately, we all want to belong. We want to feel that we have a purpose and a place. And we do that in two ways, the research says, through intergenerational relationships and through serving, having purpose, having a role and a part to play. I spoke to a young adult not long ago who stayed in church all of her life. Her faith, it appears, has not wavered. She has stayed in the same fellowship, the same body, all of her life since she was a very small young teenager. And I asked her, what had kept her faith strong? What had kept her steadfast all those years? And she said, her faith hadn't been strong all those years. She hadn't been steadfast. She had not had doubts and didn't want to really come and didn't know if God was real. But the reason she stuck at it was one reason only, the older people in the church, because she would have missed them, because she belonged in this place. And she might have seen the other friends of her peers that she was in groups with outside of a Sunday, but she wouldn't have seen the older people. And that is her family, and that is what has kept her steadfast. So intergenerational links are amazing. It's not just important either for the youngsters to have those older examples. I know there are some older people in the church who love hearing and spending time with younger people and being challenged and being spurred on and being encouraged by what God is doing in their life right now. 
So how can we be better at that? I've got a really great project um, that's coming in February that I'm running in work, which is about getting into generational relationships together to talk about what God has done in your life, and we will be doing that in February, hopefully. But what can we do in the meantime? It's those simple conversations. It's inviting people over for a meal. It's maybe writing a letter. I remember there was a gentleman called Albert Brett who was in this church when I, and Albert and Audrey, and when I came to this fellowship over 20 years ago, I was shy. I was really. I was confident, but I was still shy. I was still a bit intimidated by older people. I was at that age where, yeah, I was quite a confident, outspoken person sometimes, but, but not in a setting where there were other people who knew more than me. And Albert used to come and talk to me every Sunday morning. He used to make me feel really welcome. Audrey used to write me letters very often. Yeah, I remember her writing me a letter the week before my wedding. I still got that letter. And it's those little relationships that have made a difference in my walk with Jesus. But it's serving as well. As family members, we'll all have our jobs to do. In our house, we've all got our jobs to do. Sometimes the girls do them. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes Lawrence does them. Sometimes Lawrence doesn't. And I have a hissy fit. But you know what? We've got our jobs to do in the house. You know what? There are times I probably don't do my jobs. And they have a hissy fit with me. I'm not perfect. Um, and I recognize that some of us might live alone, and actually you have to do it all yourself. You don't have somebody to share those jobs with. But when you come here, you do. We are not on our own. We are part of a family. We are part of a community of believers who are building each other up, and building each other up in ministries where we can serve one another. And I encourage you to get along, to serve. We are here in these five-minute slots on a Sunday of different ministries you can get involved in. Dave Bale, I loved your honesty and your vulnerability last week. He got up, he said, I was afraid to commit. I didn't want to say yes because I was afraid to commit. But I thought, do you know what? I'm going to give it a go. And that's all we're asking. Sometimes you might come, you might try something for a little while and go, that is not my cup of tea. But please try. Please get involved. We want we want Little Oaks volunteers. I still want, I want to put down the children's work in this church. It's not mine to carry any longer. I am doing it because there is a need. But there is somebody out there who God wants to lead that forward. And I am waiting for that person to come. There are so many ways that we can feel that we can get involved and to build a church that is healthy, with healthy connections, that community, that new vessel that's going to contain the move of God that God wants in this city. And it starts with our deep relationship with God. There is no shortcuts on that one. That is about us plugging in and becoming all he wants us to be. But it's about spurring one another on in that, encouraging one another in that. So I am going to give us the opportunity to respond this afternoon. Do you know what? Sometimes we don't like being put in on the spot. So if I prayed now and said people come forward, you probably would say exactly where you are. So instead, I am going to ask Matt Smith to play a song that I have been listening to for weeks. It's something that is on repeat in our house because I sense that God is wanting to do something there. And I'm going to play it. And I want you to listen and ponder on the words. The words will be on the screen as well. And at the end of that, I am going to ask you to respond. If you want to be, if something has spoken to you this afternoon, has challenged you, do you know what? I can do more to get alongside and build one another up. I want you to come forward. Let's move. Let's move physically out of our comfort zone. Let's move into the new thing that God wants us to do. Let us be challenged 
because he wants to create something new. Are we ready to carry that presence?
choose to use us. We thank you for the move of your spirit. We thank you for what you're doing in the city. We thank you for what you have been doing for the last 18 months. That you have been stirring up, that you have been churning up, that you have been doing something new. Lord, we thank you that you would choose us as your vessel to be part of a plan and a purpose that you have for this city right now. Lord, would we respond? Would we say, Lord, take us? Help us to build one another up. Help us to spur one another on into all that you want. That we would contain, not even contain it, we would hold your presence. Because, Lord, we don't want to contain it. That's the point. We want to see it released to so many others. Band, if you could come up. Young people, there's a line in that song about fire. And I've not seen it before, but as that was playing then, young people, Embers, the Embers team as well. This is not just for the young people, this is for the leaders. You are not the church of tomorrow. You are not the church of the future. And in this place, I hope you realize that you are the church of now. And we totally believe that there is so much, your name is not accidental, that embers, that fire is still going to be contained in that new vessel that God wants. We can learn from you. And we love that you are part of this church. We love to see how you are growing. We love to see how you are growing in faith. Jesus, would you bless them? Would you bless these new vessels that contain your presence? Would we learn from them? Older people, I want to honor you. We still exist as Bethel Community Church because of the years, the years and years and years that you spent building healthy connections and building a strong community in this place. Your prayers hold us up. And I know that. I know that your faithful prayers hold us up. And we honor you. And we salute you. And do you know what? Sometimes it probably is not comfortable to, to you because sometimes the music is probably not what you were expecting. Sometimes there's a different way of doing it. We say sending emails and text messages and WhatsApp and Facebook and you probably think, what on earth are they on about? But we thank you that you are in this with us, that you are part of this, part of seeing this place grow for the next generation and grow for our generation. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would spur them on. I pray that as they, even in their mature years, that you are creating a new vessel to contain a new move of your spirit, that they will see the spirit that they have prayed for for all these years. Guys, if you've been challenged this afternoon in any way, 
that you want to be stretched, that you want to be involved more, that you want to be spurring one another on, that you want to be forming those healthy connections and building the strong community together. If you want to be that new vessel, as the band prays, I ask that you come forward. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray that God is going to bless whatever he's 